Walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa wala amma ba'd Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah, fantastic So, inshallah ta'ala We are going to hopefully uh, finish uh, this wonderful surah And we are going to continue from ayah number 33 In which Allah ta'ala says Ba'ad a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim Wa ma ursilu alayhim hafizin but they had not been sent as guardians over them. So just to remind everybody about the context, the previous ayah was, When they saw them, when the disbelievers would look at them, they would say, indeed, those people are lost. These people are so astray. These people are so lost. And now Allah is saying, what? But they weren't sent as guardians over them. This can be understood in two ways. The two different theys over here can go vice versa. It could be in the sense that you disbelievers, this is the most common way, you disbelievers, why are you worried about them being astray, misguided, whatever the case is? You are not guardians over them. You're not responsible for them. Why do you care? And it could also be vice versa. It could be under, understood as, but, you, but they, the believers, weren't guardians over them. In other words, you're not responsible. And that's true. Obviously, both ways are true. You're responsible for yourself at the end of the day. You're not responsible for one another. And so this can be taken from two perspectives. The first is what? Oh, disbelievers, or why are these disbelievers so concerned about the believers when that is not their responsibility? Why do you care so much? And we're going to look into why they might care so much in a moment. Uh, and the other way of looking at it is that believers, you don't have to be so concerned. In other words, yeah, they're mocking you, they're laughing at you, they're ridiculing you, they're making winking gestures at you, and you're frustrated because you have this feeling of, I want to give da'wah and I want to convert them. I want them to see the light. It's very similar to what when Allah says in Surah Ghashiyah, ayah number 22, You're not a guardian over them. You're not, you're not a warden over them. You're not responsible over them. In other words, these people are astray and you wish you could do better. You wish you could guide them. You wish you were more convincing. Uh, but you feel like I'm, just, I, it's, I'm not able to do it. Um, and this goes to show that the prophets, uh, the Anbiya, والسلام, and also the, the believers have such a desire to save others and to convince them. To the point that, and one of the most beautiful examples of this is in the life of the Prophet after he had left Ta'if. We know the famous story of how he went to Ta'if, gave da'wah to the people, and they really did not treat him well. They ridiculed, they weren't hospitable in any way whatsoever. And ultimately, they told the young children, go uh, chase him and, you know, get, get him out of here. And so the, the kids of the, of the town started pelting him with rocks, and the Prophet uh, had to quickly flee and escape from the city. And you can imagine the Prophet is now covered with, you know, hits of rocks, tiny little cuts all over, and the Prophet is being covered with blood uh, uh, because of all these injuries. And then this famous dua that he makes now, obviously, I, I should give full disclosure, this particular narration, the strength of this hadith is not the strongest. So there is some weakness in the chain of narration. However, the meaning of it is perfectly fine, and therefore we can take it as a lesson, inshallah, or we can take it you know, as, a, as a historical document, and, and you know, it's questionable as to the authenticity, but still, the dua is as follows. Allahumma ilayka ashku da'fa quwwati wa qillata hilati wa hawani ala nasi ya arhamur rahimin. That the Prophet made this, and it's a lengthy dua, it goes on, it's a, it's a lengthier dua, but I just want to focus on this first portion. Imagine, you just escape from these, these enemies, these people mocking you, throwing rocks at you, you're bleeding, and then you raise your hands. Instead of saying, curse them, I want to destroy them, I hate them, what do you say rather? Oh Allah, I complain to you of my own weakness. It's me that I'm complaining about. I wish, oh Allah, I complain to you of my own weakness and of my lack of resources, my lack of creativity. Hilati, my, my, you know, I wish I had some way of convincing them. My lack of, you could say, creativity or resources to convince them. And my lack of respect in their eyes. I wish they looked 
Hawani, I, I, wish, I, I wish I didn't have such lowliness in their eyes. Hawani al-Nas, I wish I didn't, they didn't see me as so low. So he is complaining, oh Allah, why, why am I not more convincing? Now, uh, and then he says, Ya Arham al-Rahimin, O the most merciful of those who show mercy. Clearly, it doesn't matter, how, he's, the most, he's the most convincing. There's nobody more convincing than the Prophet And yet, what is the idea? That he's still looking, could I have done better? Could I have been more convincing? Could I have done it in a, in a, in a more beautiful way? This is the, you could say, uh, the, the curse of the believer, if you will. I shouldn't put it, I put that in quotations, by the way. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's, there's no curse, alhamdulillah. But in the sense that the believer and the one who is following the path of the MBA is constantly second-guessing himself, constantly sad and depressed. How can I do this better? How can I do this better? And sometimes Allah Ta'ala sends ayat to remind you, you can't do any better. <laughs> the problem isn't you. The problem is them. You can do, and in fact, Allah Ta'ala mentions in, in uh, I think it's in Surah Araf, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's ayah number 146, but I could be wrong about that. Allah Ta'ala mentions uh, 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 that um, you could show them every ayah. You could show them every sign. It wouldn't make a difference. So some people, they could be shown every single ayah, they still would not accept, subhanAllah. So Allah Ta'ala could be telling the believers, look, you are not a guardian over them. It doesn't matter how good you are, it wouldn't make a difference. These people, their hearts are hard. That's just the way it is. Another uh, important linguistic fact is that Allah says, So, لَهُ means to observe for somebody or to protect for someone. Like, you know, you're paying attention, you're watching somebody's kids. You're You're preserving and watching and, and taking care for him. You know, I'm taking care of the kids, don't worry about it. However, means what? I'm watching you to see when you mess up. So I can write it down and, and, and I have something against you. Allah Ta'ala says what? So, meaning, the implication here is what? That uh, the, the, they are being observed, they're observing against them. So this is why it seems to be for the disbelievers more. This is a stronger opinion. It's as if Allah Ta'ala is saying, the, dis, the, the disbelievers were never put in charge of cataloging all the mistakes of the believers. Why do you care? Why are you so interested in catching every mistake and, oh, he looks like this, and, oh, how foolish this person is? Furthermore, Allah Ta'ala is saying to the believers, who cares what they think? They're not the ones that are going to judge you. Are they the ones writing down your book of deeds? No, my angels are. Are they the ones that are going to judge you on judgment day? No, I'm the one who's going to judge you. So who cares if they're laughing or winking or joking or feeling pity for you and saying you're astray? Are they the ones that are going to judge you? No, I'm the one that's going to judge you. And this could be a reference to the fact that Allah previously, just, just, just right a few ayat ago, was mentioning what? That he is the one that keeps the records. It's Allah Ta'ala and his angels that keep the kitab al-marqum. Allah Ta'ala mentioned the kitab al-marqum twice. Saying what? I'm the one that keeps the records. Now you people are like, oh, look at what they're doing and paying attention and poking fun. Why? Do you know everybody's uh, deeds? Do you know everything that they've done? Do you know the full context? Of course not. This is a very important lesson to remind us that when we're being overly judgmental towards others, remember that you, don't, you may know of the person's mistakes, a few mistakes here and there, but you don't know the full story. You don't know all of their good as well. So at the end of the day, we're not the judge. Allah Ta'ala is. Now, how often, unfortunate, and this is a sort of a tangent, tangential point, but it's still very important, how often, unfortunately, do we spend time researching people's faults while ignoring the good that they teach? So let's imagine there's an imam, he comes, he's at the masjid, he's giving good halaqat, he's good, giving good teachings. How many people show up? Generally speaking, let's say a small number of people. Then let's imagine in this theoretical place, right, this imam, a scandal breaks out. If people find out that he did something bad. Now how many people want to attend that quote-unquote halaqah? How many people want to attend that class? How many people want to talk about that imam's mistake? Every week this guy was teaching something good and only a few people want to show up and pay attention. But the moment he made a mistake, now everybody wants to talk about it. SubhanAllah, this seems to be the unfortunate reality of human nature, that we're, we're attracted to uh, the ugliest things. We become, I remember one brother, uh, one, one sheikh from, um, 
Columbus, uh, Ohio, he was telling me, he's like, they, I call this, or we call this, the cockroach approach. <laughs> the cockroach approach. I was like, why is that? He goes, think about a cockroach. You could put it in the most beautiful house, right? Cleanest, nicest house. What's it going to do? It's going to go under the fridge where there's a few crumbs, where it's nasty. That's the only thing it's interested in. It has to go and seek out the ugliness, right? It has to seek out the filth. And unfortunately, some people, they'll sit and listen to a khutbah, and they'll be like, I think you made one mistake. Did you hear one good point? No, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of good points, I didn't hear that. I heard the one mistake, subhanAllah. Uh, a good example of this would be, even amongst the Muslims, unfortunately, you'll find that many Muslims, you know, when the disbelievers, they mock the Prophet Remember back in the day, there was this, oh, we're going to draw pictures about the Prophet we're going to mock and so on and so forth. And so many people get up in arms about it and get so angry. And obviously there is a good in that, in the sense that they have a love for the Prophet and they want to have that ghira, that protective jealousy and that anger. Okay, there's an element of good. But then the question is this, instead of getting so mad about this disrespect, how many of you want to talk about the beautiful teachings of the Prophet the beautiful character of the Prophet How many of you want to talk about that? Very few. So when you contrast the numbers, it is unfortunately a big problem. So anyway, after this, after all this laughing and winking and calling them misguided, Allah Ta'ala doesn't respond to them by saying what? No, you're the ones that are misguided. Allah Ta'ala could have said that. Oh, these disbelievers are saying that, that the, the believers are misguided? No, you're the ones that are misguided. Rather, Allah Ta'ala says, you know what? Why are you calling them misguided? Let's analyze the situation. Let's analyze the situation and force these disbelievers to ask themselves, why do you care? Why should we, why, why should these, us as disbelievers, these disbelievers, why should they be focused on the believers. If they're wrong, what's right? What are we preaching? What are we standing for? Are we just telling them that they're wrong or do we have something right that we're actually standing for? Are we calling to it? Do we have a book? Do we have a da'wah? Do we, have a, do we convert people? So this is a beautiful analysis. Sometimes when people say, you're wrong, say, no, you're wrong. That's it. That's the, end. That's the deepest analysis you have. But rather Allah says, when Allah sees that the disbelievers saying, you're wrong, why do you care? What's important? Is this, is this what's important to you? And subhanAllah, this is a reminder that when wicked people they stoop to a low level and try to behave in an ugly, jahili way, don't join them in that jahili behavior. Don't let them pull you down to their level of behavior. Rather, stay above and say, okay, you want to say that I'm wrong, instead of me saying, no, no, you're wrong, and, and, or just getting mad, or just becoming emotional, instead of that, uh, make them think and say, okay, what is right? Now, this I find is such a beautiful point, that the disbelievers do a great job in saving every penny. That's, that's the theme of this surah, right? Mutafifin. Uh, the ones that do what? Yastawfoon. They make sure they get every penny. That's ayah number two of the surah, right? So now we're coming to the end, and we're going to see how everything connects, how the ending and the beginning connect together. So it's amazing that these are a group of people that pay so close attention to what is their possession. I want to make sure I get every single dollar. Yastawfoon. I want to make sure that I never get cheated even one penny. Because their money is their property. And thus, it's their concern. And in this verse, Allah Ta'ala is reminding them, the believers aren't your property. You don't need to preserve or safeguard them. So why are you so concerned? If money is your only concern, then go, go hustle for some cash, leave them alone. The fact of the matter is, see, this is the big psychological analysis that's really deep. What's going on here is that deep down, these disbelievers can't let it go because they know, even if they won't admit it, they know that the believers are making the right investment, whereas they're making the wrong investment. At the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. These people doing tatfif, these mutafifin, cheating for every little penny, the ones so concerned about dunya, so materialistic, I want to get every penny. This is an investment. But they know that their investment is what? Purely material and it's going to go away the moment they die. And then they look to the side and they see these believers who are not materialistic, but worshiping God. And they have to attack them. They have to focus on them and find their problems and say, you're wrong, you're misguided, I'm laughing at you, ha ha ha, you people are fools. And they have this obsession with them. And it's like, buddy, I thought you're materialistic. I thought all you care about is money. They're not part of your property. You don't own them. Why do you care? 
And the answer is quite simple, because deep down I know they're making the right investment, and I know I'm making the wrong one, and it's killing me, because that's all they care about, making the right investment, subhanAllah. So there's a lot of subtlety going on that I think really needs to be analyzed quite uh, uh, you know, uh, in detail. Allah Ta'ala then says what in the next verse? فَالْيَوْمَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنَ الْكُفَّارِ Now, you can see that the sentence structure has moved around. The expected sentence would be something like الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا يَضْحَكُونَ مِنَ الْكُفَّارِ الْيَوْمِ Right? Moving the words around. Uh, that's the expected sentence structure. But you find, what? You find that مِنَ الْكُفَّارِ has been advanced. Why? Because it's exclusive. It's only exclusive. In other words, that so today, specifically today, on Judgment Day, because that was the context, right? We were talking about earlier about how the, the, the believers are in paradise and they're enjoying themselves. And they remember, what about those disbelievers? And they remember, they reminisced as the crimes they used to do. They used to laugh at us. They used to this, they used to that. So now Allah's bringing us back and saying, so today, back to Judgment Day, those who believed are exclusively laughing at the disbelievers. In other words, the disbelievers are not laughing back. It's not a two-way street. They are the ones laughing, and, uh, uh, and, and, and it's not two-way. Yes, and it's interesting as well that prior to this, Allah was describing the disbelievers as al-mutafifin and as al-ladina ajramu, the people who, who skim off the top and those who have committed various crimes. But now Allah Ta'ala is using the broad term. Why? Because now everybody, they're all put in the same category now. Min al-kuffari, not mutafifin, not al-ladina ajramu, not mujrimin, no. Al-Kuffar here, so it's very broad. This is very similar to the ayah in which Allah says, Allah says, and they ridicule those who believe, but those who fear Allah are above them on judgment day. So what does this mean? That they are the ones who are actually now going to be laughing. Ka'b he says what? There's a window that the believers can look through to see the enemies being punished. Uh, this is something that they can see. Uh, furthermore, Abu Saleh says there will be a door that opens for the people of hell and that they could walk through as if they can get through to paradise and then when they get close, it'll be closed and the disbelievers will laugh at them. So this is one perspective and Allah knows best. This is very similar to the verse in which Allah Ta'ala mentions where Nuh was building his boat, the, the, the boat with the believers and then Allah says what? Uh, Every time the elite, the eminent ones used to pass by them, what would they do? They would make fun of him. So Nuh says back, If you ridicule us, then we will ridicule you just as you ridiculed. And so, uh, yes, اليوم, referring to today, Judgment Day. Furthermore, we have to remember that the disbelievers thought it was appropriate to laugh at the losers. Ha, they're losers, they're misguided, they're astray. So it's appropriate to laugh at them. So Allah is saying, okay, well, we're going to treat you according to your standard. If it's right to laugh at losers, well, now that today is Judgment Day, and now that all the evidence has been established, and now that we know who the true losers are, how should we treat them? According to your standards, we should laugh at them. So, subhanAllah, we should always remember that the only real losers are the losers in the afterlife. Another reason why they laughed is because they're realizing and appreciating how short their life was in this dunya. The believers are laughing now because they're laughing at how sweet it is that it only took a few years of hustle, just a few years of dunya, and that's all it took. Allah is so merciful that he'll give an eternal or a perpetual paradise, a perpetual paradise for that. Then Allah says, عَلَى الْأَرَائِكِ يَنظُرُونَ عَلَى الْأَرَائِكِ يَنظُرُونَ means on adorned couches observing. This is ayah number 35, which is exactly the same as ayah number 23. The first time this ayah was mentioned in ayah number 23, it was talking about they'll be sitting back, relaxed, and looking at the blessings of paradise. This time it's saying what? Now they're sitting back, relaxed, and they get to observe the torment of hellfire. So these two ayat, you might say, why did Allah repeat it? Well, look at the context. Look at the context. One of them is saying, I get to see all of paradise. The other one's saying, now I get to see all of hell. So now you get the full spectrum, Allah is saying. You get to sit back and observe the full spectrum. SubhanAllah. 
specifically, they're watching who? Those who used to mock them. And now they're watching them curse each other. Remember, they used to go back to their families? They used to go back to their families and laugh and, and rejoice with one another. Now Allah is saying what? They, they will say, our Lord, whoever brought this upon us, increase for him double punishment in the fire. So subhanAllah, now they're cursing each other, saying, you imagine people bumping into each other in the hellfire, it's all tight and hot and uncomfortable, and they're like, no, give him worse, no, give him worse, he put me astray, no, he put me astray. And so now they have this struggle between each other. Yes, why are the, why are the believers described as watching a second time? Perhaps it's, perhaps it's to highlight that, they, that they're observant. They're very observant people, both in this life and in the next life. This is in contrast to the disbelievers who, instead of being mindfully observant, paying attention to reality, they lived in denial, ayah number 10. They refused to consider the evidence, ayah number 13. They mocked those who disagree with them instead of having a conversation, ayah number 29. And they considered anybody with a different opinion as lost, ayah number 30, 32. So subhanAllah, these are really observant people. So now they're observing. You could say it from that perspective. And one more point about this ayah is what? The verb yanzurun implies that they see them plainly. They understand them fully, and that's why they're laughing. This is in contrast to the disbelievers who were laughing at the believers, but they didn't see the full picture. Where, and also, they used to what? Glance and then look away. Glance and then wink at each other. They didn't lick, look fully. Whereas now, yanzurun means I can stare right at you. I don't have to be shy. I don't have to look away. I don't have to do it in a sort of backhanded, underhanded way. You know, uh, uh, I, can, I can look directly at you. So subhanAllah, there's no, there's no sort of guilty glances or, or winking or whatever the case is. Final ayah, Allah Ta'ala says what? Allah Ta'ala finishes with this question. Have the disbelievers not been rewarded this day for what they used to do? You could say that there is a mahdhuf or omitted word. Excuse me. That have they not been rewarded with the reward, with the thawab, with the ajr, with the, um, you know, the recompense that they, or the good salary, thawab, it means a good salary. And so, haven't they been given the good salary that they wanted? This is, you could say, at tahakkum. This is sarcasm from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? You used to cheat people for a few pennies here and there. Now Allah is saying, did you finally get your good salary that you wanted? Is this what you finally wanted? Subhanallah. So this verse can be a question from Allah ta'ala, or it can be a question from the believers who are observing the torment. Imagine Allah ta'ala asking, it, it could be looked at from a few ways. It could be that Allah is asking, have the disbelievers finally got, what you, is this what you wanted, O oh, disbelievers? That's one way of seeing it. But it could be that Allah is asking the believers, hey believers, now that you're watching these disbelievers, have I given them sufficient? Remember how they used to make fun of you? Is it hot enough in there? Do you want me to crank it up a little bit more now that you see what they're going through? Is it bad enough? Are they getting what they deserve? You know, Have they gotten the, the recompense for what they deserve? And then of course, it could be, um, yes, that um, yeah, it's a question from, or it could be a question from the believers themselves, asking the disbelievers, Hey, disbelievers, you used to make fun of us, right? Are you finally getting what you, what you were hoping for, what you were uh, investing in? SubhanAllah. Uh, the surah began with people skimming a little bit of profit for this world, and Allah answers by asking, are you happy with the profit that you made? This is also, uh, could be a su'al istinkari, which means a rhetorical question, obviously saying what? That, of course, you're not satisfied with it. The description of the Sahaba is what? They sold their dunya and bought their akhirah. So may Allah Ta'ala make us like them. And a few, last few points is what? Firstly, that as the believers are watching the disbelievers receive their punishment, Allah is asking them, have, you, have the disbelievers gotten the punishment they deserve? I.e., you believers can decide if I should make it worse or not because they were the ones who were mocking you, robbing you, persecuting you, injuring, injuring you, and killing you. So I, I leave it, is this enough? Is this, is this what they deserve? SubhanAllah. And Allah knows best. Uh, this is one way of looking at it. 
I, I kind of already alluded to that. The final point I want to make is what? That there are seven surahs of the Qur'an that finish with a question. Uh, surah Maryam, Surah Ahqaf, Surah Mulk, Surah Qiyamah, Surah Mursalat, Surah Mutaffifin, and Surah Tateen. So now, alhamdulillah, we've covered two of these surahs that end with a question. Um, and so, alhamdulillah, it's been a great journey. I appreciate you all for attending. May Allah Ta'ala make us of those who can always be uh, not people who skim or cheat people, rather people who are upright and honest. May Allah Ta'ala make us of the people of paradise who can look at both the reward and the punishment of the, uh, the reward for us and the believers and the punishment of the disbelievers and appreciate the full scope and be grateful to Allah Ta'ala both in this life and in the next. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Zagul Khair, Wassalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh.